Okay, is that one on? There we go. I just want to start with this verse here that I thought about last night. Where did I put it in my notes? I had this later on in my notes, but I feel to say it now. But just firstly, children, are you still with me? Are they in, are they in or out this morning? They're in. They're in, but some are out. Oh, there they are. Okay. Stick with me. This is going to be exciting stuff that we're talking through and understanding here. And that, um, if we could just put that first slide up there for me, uh, Daniel. And then we'll go from there. I, you know, I don't know about you. No, we must go back, back one, Daniel, please. Thanks, buddy. There we go. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of opening News 24 and seeing this person got killed. This person, such an happened. That thing played out. It's, it's getting... If we're honest with ourselves, it's getting overwhelming. The state, the state of play right now, okay? And this is not only in Cape Town. You know, I read something as well saying like the Western Cape has have to become more vigilant right now with regards to kidnappings more than any other province in South Africa. I'm like, what level of society of people around us are we living with that are at this extent of these things that are playing out? It's wickedness. It's evil. It's all brewed in the place from the place of sin, that's how all this stuff brews. And it's, it's becoming overwhelming. And I'm like, well, God, how do we as your people, how do we respond? How do we live in times like this? Because last week, what we do, we all face to Freigrund. We pray. We believe God. What are we asking as we're praying there? What are we, what are we believing for? What are we hoping that's going to come through these prayers? The, 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 the furthest extent of our faith and our believing, what we would love to see, would be like a utopia and just peace and harmony and everyone living in unity together, right? Well, what else are we asking for? Are we asking, what are we asking for? When we're praying and say, God, touch, yes, we're asking for protection and peace. We're asking for all those things. But there's still going to be sin. There's still going to be wicked people. There's still going to be evil, rampant, not only in Frechner, but it's happening all over the place right now. How are we responding how do we stand in times like this? How do we pray for ourselves? What is the position of the church in a time like this? In a times, yes it is, come Lord Jesus, come. But I had to really think about this and just ponder a bit because we can't pray prayers of hoping that utopia just plays out and everything just gets back to a manageable way because I guarantee you, the way the world is going right now, it's not going to get easier the governments around the world are in turmoil. There's a prophetic word by a guy, Chris Reed, who I've connected with on a call before. Incredible prophetic guy. On the, on the Zoom call, he told my, me what my children's names were. He says, there's Ella. Ella, is that your daughter? I said, yeah, that's her daughter, Ella May. He's like, a, a, I see a blonde little boy, blonde kid, A.D. Aiden. I was like, yeah, that's his name. Okay, this, this guy hears from the Lord. He has heard in this prophetic word that in the time frame, whatever it is, Biden and Putin are in a short space of time are going to be nullified. They're going to be taken out. I don't know how that means death or it means not being president anymore. And there's a whole process he's seeing play out here. Yeah? There's a warning against this French president. Sorry if there are any French people in this room right now and who this guy is. That there's turmoil. There's chaos. There's a crisis. We're in a crisis. It's not just go on as normal right now. And we have to understand how are we going to respond in prayer? 
If your prayers are going to be based upon just make it back the way it was, Lord, your prayers are, f- are futile. Because it's not going to go back to the way it was. Things are going in this direction. How do we as the people of God stand in these days? This is key. This is very, very important. How do we pray? And this, this verse is, is a beauty. This, you know, if you read through the Psalms, the Psalms often... Whoever's writing at David or the different kind of groups of people, they're always moaning about how the wicked prosper. And the wicked, they always seem to be doing well. All the evil, all their things. This is Psalm 73. Going on about how these, the, 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 they seem to prosper in everything they do and everything that plays out. And then, it, then he breaks it down and he says in Psalm 73 verse 16, it says these words, But when I thought how to understand this, now think about the times we live, all the murders that have taken place in Cape Town in the last two weeks. From this gang violence here to the stuff in Camps Bay, things in Grassy Park, shootings in Stenberg. It's not normal. We mustn't embrace it and think, oh, well, that's just the way it is. We mustn't accept it. It's not, it's not normal to live like this. And this is what he says. When I thought I'd understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Man, it's burdensome. When we carry the weight of what some of us face, maybe more than others. And we are faced with this stuff. How do we get through? How do we pray? And then he says in verse 17, he says there, and see, it seemed wearisome task to me. And then he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Here's the key. And then I discerned their end. He suddenly got perspective. Their end is going to end in a nasty way because of their choice of wickedness. Our end doesn't end badly. It ends with life. Yes, there's tragedies. And Jade, we reach out to your family through uncles and deaths in a car accident. But where there's security of life, death is not the end. And when I understood their end, we've got to realize they will cry out for the mercy of God. Because they've chosen a life where they've been bound by another wicked system and wicked way of thinking, which is the devil, the enemy. And so how do we pray? And I think one of the key prayers for us in this time is, Lord, help us stand in righteousness and in justice. Help me just to stand. Stop worrying about everybody else. You make sure you stand righteously. Because if you are a partaker in a small little way, you're a part of the problem of the wicked system, the wicked things that are playing out. If you are tired of corruption and stealing, then stop doing those things in your business that are corrupt. Don't be a part of the problem. Be part of the solution. And we have to stand righteously and with justice in our hearts. And not to be tempted to become part of the problem. Because temptation will always come across you. That's number one. Stand strong. Help us to not, secondly, help us to not lose sight of the goodness of God. Because the enemy will slowly chip away at you and you will lose hope. Hopelessness will arise. Then you start doubting the goodness of God. Like, is he really, is he really going to... Come through for us. A verse that has, that has horrified me a little bit in this last month, that I've, all the reading that I've done, is where Jesus says, even the elect will be deceived. I don't know who the elect are, but I think it's a group of people like this. You are the elect because you understand now the goodness of God. You understand these things, and then these things play out, and in four or five years' time, You could be saying, and I have seen this happen in people that have been in this church community that don't even believe in the Lord anymore. The Bible's not true to them. Nothing. They are now deceived. 
How does it happen? It doesn't switch on overnight. Oh, like, oh, I don't believe. Today I believe, tomorrow, no, I'm not going to believe. It's a slow degeneration of thinking. And you just degrade slowly, slowly, but surely, slowly, but surely, and you look back in five years, you've got no hope. There's doubt in your heart. You don't believe the goodness of God because of circumstances and things that played out. We've got to pray that we never doubt the goodness of God in this time and this season because He's always good. And that's how we've got to stand and believing and trusting God. And the third thing is that as kingdom people, as His ambassadors, He will protect us. He will guard us. He will be with us. He will help the providing for one another. And I've said this so many times <coughs> from this pulpit is that we are coming to days where we are going to have to learn what it is to stand for one another. We need to know who we are here. You can't come sitting, I always say, we always say the back row. You might sit in the front row and be an edge person. Welcome to the front row, Beaton Sharon. It's lovely to have you. But fringe factor Christianity is not going to help you in this next season. In the next 20 years, fringe factor Christianity is not going to help you. We need to know who we are as a people. The chaos that's ensuing around this world what did, it, what did it start affecting? Food. Economic crisis starts playing out. Then it plays out. When that starts playing out, things like protection becomes real. All these things are factors to the chaos that are playing around us. And there's a, the enemy loves to create chaos so that and a system then can bring you order. Careful how it plays out. Create the chaos and then we will now tell you how to live and what to do. That's the world system. And that's what the disciples stood up and said, No, we obey man. I mean, we obey God, not man. Stop telling us to stop preaching. We will continue preaching. And that's the season we'll start seeing more supernatural, more provision, more breaking out than ever before because we don't doubt. We hold on to truth. We know who we are as God's people. And then people say, Who are you people? We don't fight the government. We fight religion. We fight the enemy. We stand firm in the blood that we've given. That's the reality. That we play after. That's where we stand. So I want to encourage you in your prayer. In your prayer watches. We pray, oh yes Lord, bring change, bring change. But I tell you, the biggest prayer in this season is that the church would stand strong. And hold on to the goodness. Hold on to righteousness. And we would protect us in this time and this season that we're walking through. Amen? Amen. <laughs> what an introduction. Hey? That was later down in the sermon, but I'll start with that. Folks... Today is the kickoff to us preaching into these end-time understanding. This, this series is going to be called The Prophetic Purpose and Plan of God. From the very beginning, He knew the purpose. He knew the plan. He's not wavered from that. He's given us His Word as a foundation that He does not waver. He does not change. He remains exactly the same, and we're on a path to go forward. The key line there is the end times understood by knowing it's not when, but how, and not what, but why. And I'll unpack that, and you'll understand what I mean when, it's, when, I, when, I, when we say things like that. The study of eschatology okay, is essentially end times study. The word eschatology is the study of the last things. It comes from a Greek word called eschatos, which means final, meaning the final things that will play out, the final the last things that we're doing. So when we talk about end times, we are talking into what's called eschatology. If you read 1 John 2 verse 18, and this is John you know, who wrote the book of Revelation, and he wrote these, these books of the books of John and 1 John 1, 2, 1, 2 and 3. He says, children, it is, it is the last hour. 
as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Now, John's using the words there, the last hour. Okay, meaning the anticipation and the return of Christ, he was, he was thinking would see in his day. Okay? Now, many generations, 2,000 and something years have come and gone, believing that the Lord would return in their day. What's happening now around the world? What's the, the narrative right now? The coming of the Lord is, 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 is feeling like it's closer. Okay, we're not the first generation to feel like this. Okay, the last hour, we're feeling these, these, this urgency in the Spirit. Now, I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong in believing that. You are not hoping in oh, something that, oh, we just hope it happens. It's not a fatalism. I'm not giving up and saying, oh, well, just come, Lord. I mean, let's just finish this thing off and get it sorted out. It's not fatalistic. I'm not giving up. But there's an expectation and a hope that's rising in our hearts and understanding that then there's nothing wrong with believing that this is the last hour because many have believed this. Think about the disciples when Jesus stood with them and, he said, and they said, look at this temple. And he said, this will, every brick will fall to the ground here. Everything, this will be crumbled and fall to the floor. So in 70 AD, when that does happen, what do you think they're thinking? It's, it's got to be close. It's got to be happening. It's 2,000, well... 1,970 years ago, whatever. Not very good at maths, clearly. Eh? Okay? So they were thinking it would be in his day. Then you've got great rulers like Alexander the Great that just dominated this world and were ruthless. And for the believers in that time, dealing with a man like that who just conquered so many territories that he actually cried at the end there was nothing more to conquer. And he was 32 years old. And he's like, I've got nowhere more to fight. I'm like, firstly, we'll grow up, buddy. But he was ruthless. The believers in that day must have thought, well, the Lord must be coming soon. Then you've got the Crusaders, you've got the Ottomans, you've got the Napoleon, then you've got World War I and World War II. What were people thinking during that time? It had to be, the, the end must be near. Look at the suffering, look at the things we're facing. We're in a time where that's heightened now. The raising of that has come forward again of God, come, Lord Jesus, come. And I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong in believing that. There's nothing wrong in having an anticipation in your heart that it could happen in my lifetime. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how we need to live with that expectation. And if you don't see it and you pass away before He comes, you're just there a bit early. What's the loss? What's the loss? Hey? And the security? But we believe. We understand. We see these things. There's nothing wrong with believing this because no one waiting for the king and an earthly king to come and visit you, no one sits without preparing themselves. Look at, this, look at the earthly splendor Queen Elizabeth was given for her reign. Hey, look how earthly people honored her for what she had done for many years. Yes, many will believe and have, have different things about her. Besides all that, she was honored, but only on earth. Think of the honor and the glory in eternity with our King and our Lord. But no one waits. No one has a nominal approach. I don't know. I think the kings might be coming tomorrow. No nominal approaches to the king of all kings that is going to be arriving. And he's going to be coming in on the clouds to kind of take us, his people, and that with him. Don't get caught up in the lie that it's terrible to believe that. Have an anticipation in your heart, which is a good thing. Amen. Because Hosea 4.9 says, My people perish because of lack of knowledge. 
It's a lack of perception, lack of skill, lack of discernment of what God is saying in these days and these hours. Okay? So what was happening in then Isaiah, God was blaming the priests and saying to them for holding on to the truths and holding things back for the people. They were not teaching them the proper ways. I have a responsibility. We as an eldership have a responsibility to you that you are understand the knowledge that's happening. You have a discerning spirit in these days and this hour that we live in. We have a responsibility to be caught up with what God is saying to the churches, what the Spirit is saying to the churches at this time and this hour. So we're going to go on a journey which is going to be beautiful in this time and this season. So when we approach the subject of the end times and of eschatology, everybody wants to know when things are going to happen. When is the rapture going to happen? When, that's exactly, that's why you'll see from the pre-line said there, when will the end of the world be? There's been people that have believed that it would happen and that year has come and gone. There was a group of people in 1988 that believed that Jesus is coming and the end of the world is here. I was 12 years old and now I'm still here. It didn't happen. Many predict, many try and work it out, all the signs and all the things that are playing out in the time. That's a question on everyone's heart. When will the end be? When will this tribulation that we read about, when will that take place? Are we already in tribulation? This could be tribulation, it's so bad already. No? Sure, you didn't go, yes, I think some of you might be thinking that. It's not, by the way. Okay, when will the rapture be? When are we going to be raptured? Are we going to be raptured before the tribulation? Are we going to be raptured after the tribulation? Is it going to be in the middle of the tribulation? Or is it going to be before the wrath of God? When? When is it going to happen? And I'm confusing you on purpose. Because we've got to go on a journey here together. See all the options. There's so many options. When? Well, when? when? Well, well, when is the millennium reign of Christ going to be here on earth? Is it going to be after Armageddon? Or is it going to be before? I mean, wh- how is this going to work out? When? When? When will the reign be? Then people say it's amillennial, meaning it's already happened. Is it going to be premillennial, postmillennial? So many things to consider here. And the big one. When? Is Jesus going to return? When? We all want to know when. And if you do a lot of reading, you will find a whole host of opinions. Some will say this. Some will say that. Renowned theologians that disagree with one another and they can't find um, um, uh, middle terms on degreeing because they are right about what they believe. Because (laughs) the Word has shown me how they interpret the Scriptures to tell us when the return of Christ, not by the date, but the signs, when tribulation will be, when rapture will be, all these things. And you know what happens? Their fighting separates them. And they actually end up both losers. Because God blesses unity, and there's no unity there. They're brothers in Christ, or sisters in Christ, and they can't see eye to eye. See where I'm going with this. Now there are many theories, many understandings. We need to start recognizing the signs and the understanding of the times we're living in is more important to see how things will play out. Then there's the question, we want to know what and who. Well, well who, who, who's going to be the Antichrist? It must have been Obama. I mean, Obama was clearly an Antichrist. Hitler, Hitler. I mean, Hitler, man, come on. Definitely, eh? Saddam Hussein, everyone labels these people. It must be him. Now, whoa, wait a second, it could be the Pope. The Pope is the Antichrist. Everyone wants to know who. Everyone wants to know what. Okay? Who's going, to be, who's going to arise as this false prophet that stands with the Antichrist the end times? 
Will the abomination of desolation take place in a real temple built on Mount Zion in Jerusalem? Is that really going to happen? You know, will this happen? Well, who's going to face the wrath of God? Will, will the children of God have to face the wrath? When? Who? Why? What will happen to Israel and the Jews? What will happen to all the wicked people? All these questions. There's this constant knowing. Rather knowing who and what, we need to understand why this will all take place. So see the line? I'll read it to you now. Okay? Again, when it comes to the, the what and, the, and the, all those, there's many theories about who the Antichrist could be. Many theories about how these things are going to play out. Again, we're going to look at all of it so we have a clear understanding and we're going to go on a journey yet together. Okay? This is why I've used this line. Sorry, that's the read, I read earlier on. The end times understood by knowing it's not when, but how things are going to play out. It's not what or who, but why these things have to take place. Because we will separate and divide over arguing here because we think we have all the answers and understand things. Like, okay, all these questions, the when and the, and the what and the, why, and, and the what and the who are very similar to what the disciples asked Jesus. In Matthew 24, when you read, it's called, Matthew 24 is called the Olivet Discourse. It's, the, it's, the, it's Jesus' discourse of explaining the end times. And it's linked to Jacob's trouble that is a reference to which we'll speak about into previous context spoken in Isaiah. And what Jesus does in Matthew 23, he gives a stern warning to the Pharisees, to the religious, to those who refuse to listen to the truth of standing right in front of them. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you. Strong, strong words. And then he, then he laments over Jerusalem. How I want to just hold you like a chicken holds his wings and just to carry you and have you in this place. And then the disciples show him the temple and Jesus said to him, you see all these? Do you? He says, truly I say to you, there will not be one left, one stone upon um, left here that will not be thrown down. They were standing in Jerusalem on Mount Olives and then you walk down the hill and you walk across to the other side and there's the Mount of Olives. It's about a, it's about a kilometer, two kilometer walk. And from the Mount of Olives, you stand looking upon Mount Zion. And then Jesus stands with his disciples. And as they stood on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be. And what will be the sign of the coming of the end of your age? And Jesus doesn't answer when. He doesn't answer what. He gives them clues. He gives them signs. He gives them understanding of what needs to take place. And then the end will come. And now many of us have believed that and have hoped for that. Through these last 2,000 years, there's nothing wrong in believing it's the last hour. Because we live with an anticipation. We live with an expectation that our King and our Lord is going to return. And we're not going to get caught on the when and the what. But we're going to understand the how and the why as we walk through this together. Okay? So we can start arguing about future events that haven't even taken place yet and think we have the answer. And we can embrace, or we can go on a journey and embrace the prophetic mystery that comes with speaking into end times and eschatology and a place and a trust with absolute certainty. Guys, this is our certainty that we know. He will appear on the clouds with us all being caught up and taken with Him. He is going to be returning for his bride. 
And he will be seated on the throne and have a millennial reign, a thousand year reign here on earth. What assurance? Those are the things we can hope for. Let's not get caught up in disagreeing about all the things of how it's going to play out. We need to go on a journey together and recognizing the signs of what God is going and what's saying to us. So, a foundational verse that we're going to work through and use as a foundation as we go on this journey is Acts 20 verse 27. Okay, now this is the context of this is Paul. If you read Acts 19, he caused a riot in Ephesus. Absolute chaos. These guys wanted to take him out because he had caused upheaval because all their businesses were suffering because they used to worship the god Diana and all these trinkets and all these little things people used to make. Their businesses were suffering because the gospel expanded. Okay? Look at, look at what's happened in Johannesburg with Mpo, the mayor of Joburg. Janet Brand prophesied over her three years ago she would be the mayor of Johannesburg. She became the mayor of Johannesburg. Wicked schemes and ways have asked her. Okay? Because their plans, they don't like her. Why? Because she brought righteousness. She was exposing all the deep-rooted nonsense happening in the city of gold, the key financial hub over South Africa. And now she's been ousted because she brought righteousness. She understood her position. You see what happens when righteous people arise. The enemy also arises. That's why we need to stand strong. We need to know who we are. We can't be wavered in these days and fall. Oh, yeah, no, okay, that's fine. Sorry, yeah, we'll just play it your way. Paul's like, I'm not playing it your way. I know the truth and I'm holding on to truth. So he went on his trips and he came around and then he didn't go back into Ephesus. He went to a town about 16 kilometers or maybe it says 50 kilometers down the road and he called for the elders, say, come, come to me. Come, come here and I'll talk to you in this place because he wasn't going to go back into Ephesus because they were obviously going to kill him and the Spirit might have just well and led him and spoken to him at that time. Acts 20, let's read the context of this verse. Acts 20, and let me read from verse 17. Um, and this is him speaking to the elders of, of the Ephesians church. And he says from verse halfway through 18, So you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, the religious. See, it's not always the government we're fighting. It's the religious system that are in cahoots with the government. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. I don't know about you, but if people told me that you're going to go to a certain place and afflictions and troubles are going to be there waiting for you, I would probably reconsider. Or Errol will be saying, are you, are you sure you want to go, buddy? Paul had many guys saying, are you sure you want to go? That Achabus tied his hands and said, you're going, to go to, you're going to go to Jerusalem and be bound. But he knew he had to go. He knew he had to walk into what God was going to do and through in and through him. But I do not account my life of any value, <laughs> nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel and the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. This is before Facebook. This is before telephones. This is before like you can just saw me write a letter and stuff. He would not ever see them again. 
Okay, real, departing. Then he says this, verse 26, he has the key verse from 27. He says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. We have to care for His body. We have to hold firm to truths which He obtained with His own blood. I know that after my, to- my departure, fierce wolves will come in through and among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So the key verse I want to hold on to there is 20 verse 27. That says, For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's the ESV. The King James says, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. The, new, the Passion Translation, because I've taught you everything I could about God's eternal plan and I've held nothing back from teaching you and understanding you with these things. You see, the whole the, to, to avoid declaring to you is saying, I have not withheld anything from you. Now when you ask, well, what is the whole counsel of God? There's a reason why we are speaking into end times and the eschatology understanding. He has 10 points that will summarize. Okay, I haven't got them on the screen, but you can listen to them. 10 points summarizing the whole counsel of God. If you embrace the whole teaching, all the understanding of the revelation of God, it will take you your whole life. You will not have a full capacity to hold it in your earthly tent. But your whole life is a journey of understanding the things of God that are revealed to you and poured out to you as your life goes by. So one is the reality of God Himself as King of this universe. He's Lord, God over all. He's the only Creator of the universe. The human race with all its wonders and tragedies. Just read through the Old Testament and you see God's people's ups and downs. It's about us, His people, relating to Him, this mighty God who then sent us His Son so that we can be related to Him on a personable level. There's this journey of understanding how Jesus came, as I'm saying, as a Savior to die to a dark and dying world. We understand the teachings of salvation by grace. And it's not works, but it's received by faith. This is incorporating all the teachings, the counsel of what God has taught us everything so that we can live our lives as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And you see, this is a story of all our lives like Israel. We all have ups and downs. We have seasons where, well, God, where are you? We have seasons of flourishing, seasons of, 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 of pruning where there's little fruit. That's our lives. But it's in relation to this great, mighty, good and king who's a savior and lord of over all things. Then we understand the work of the Holy Spirit. And God constantly revealed himself and his plans to the human race. He shows he's a God who speaks to his people. And the people of God fulfill their destiny, the kingdom of God, and the mission of the churches to keep going. And the final thing in, in all that is understanding who God is that then we end with this happy ending. With salvation having a destiny. Evil is abolished, and there is a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness prevails. There's the full counsel. You see, if you've been in the bay for 30 years, you've, you've learned a lot in this environment. I've just by sitting in this church, have learned things from, the thing, from what's been taught in my own reading and own studies. The counsel of God is presented to you across your whole life. But you know what we've never preached in this church is end times about the end of the story, the happy ending that's going to play out. 
and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that we will all be a part of one day. If it happens in our lifetime or another lifetime, we're all a part of it. And we will all see each other. We will all be reunited with each other together. And there's a purpose, you see. I, am not, I do not want to stand before God one day and He says, you shrunk back from teaching everything. I'm not going to be standing. Paul says, I did not shrink from teaching you the whole counsel, everything of God, so that you are understand, you are informed, you have knowledge and understanding of how to discern the times and the seasons of what God is doing in this time. So, so why are we going down this road? Because we need to understand the full counsel of God. We are living in very interesting times. Like the sons of Issachar, that's always irrelevant. They understood the times and knew what to do. It's very important. Okay, so what we're not going to have here is we're not going to speak and preach from speculation. I think it could be this, and this is the way it is. We're going to speculate things. That's not preaching. Okay, we're not going to preach from assumption and talk to you on a, and assuming things, and we all know these things together. We're not going to be drawn from the news media when it comes to the context of what we're speaking about now. We're not going to draw upon social media to be our guide and to give us this whole counsel. There's only one place you receive the whole counsel of God, and that is His Word. His Word that is truth to us. And the prophetic that is God is using in this time and this hour to speak to us and show us what is taking place. So that we will not live in fear. So that we will not be bound by hopelessness. We will look with a different eyes, Peter. We will lift our gaze. We will lift our eyes. We will lift up our gaze and see the coming King who will reign for all eternity. That's what we're a part of. That's why we're doing this. You know, Hudson Taylor, we all have heard of that Hudson Taylor who was a famous missionary who went to China. And he founded the China Inland Mission. And he had an amazing vision from God in 1889. So that's 130 years ago. 133 years ago, of a great national spiritual awakening in Russia that will touch the whole of Europe before Christ's return. And these are his words that he penned 133 years ago. I saw in this vision a great war that encompassed the world. I saw this war recess and then start again, actually being two wars, World War I and World War II, which was 1914 and 19. 38 time. After this, I saw much unrest and revolts that will affect many nations. I saw in some places spiritual awakenings. In Russia, I saw there will become a general, all-encompassing national spiritual awakening. So that so great that there could never be another like it. Have we seen that in Russia yet? No, we haven't seen it. From Russia, I saw the awakening spread to many European countries. Then I saw an all-out awakening followed by the second coming of Christ. See, what's happening in the world today? Who's forefront of all the trouble and the issues? Russia are there. Come, Lord Jesus, come. If this is the hour, Father, let there be an awakening in that nation, as a sign of what the prophetic and what people have said 130 years ago. Now, that's just one small, meaning little prophetic thing. There have been plenty of prophetic words speaking. And we draw upon His Word, and we draw what the prophets have been saying, and we still hope in our hearts that God is with us and for us. So, what we're going to agree 
on together here as we go on this journey. Okay? The first thing is we are going to agree together is that questions are good. If you have questions, you must ask them so that we can go on a journey together. You all have the WhatsApp number. You all have the email address. We can have conversations. I'm more than happy. Yes, let's talk. Let's have conversations. You've got a question about something or you're unsure about something. Let's ask the questions. Don't speculate. Don't assume. Okay? Don't go to social media. Don't go and find this answer. You can find it anywhere. If you want an answer, you will find it. Let's ask questions. Okay? It's going to provoke thought. It's going to provoke discussion because we're all learning here, including me. Okay, I don't know it all, and here I am dropping everything I know on you guys. Okay, this is a stretch for me to go on this journey with you together because I'm not the academic. As I've said to you hundreds of times here, I passed my trick with ease. Okay? <laughs> but we're going on a journey here together, and you're going to engage your hearts. Okay? So secondly, disagreeing is okay. I don't mind if you disagree with me. Okay, disagreeing is fine because we will see things from different perspectives. But disagreeing is not disliking. Okay, it's or discord. Exactly, it's that's not what it is. I'm happy to disagree with you. I'm happy you disagree with me. I'm not trying to prove myself right here. Okay, just to put you all at ease. Okay, you know, there's different things like some people like Max Verstappen, some people like Lewis. We disagree, but we don't dislike each other. Max is going to win, though. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> some people like Chelsea. Some people like Liverpool. Some people like Man United. You can disagree, but you don't dislike. We need to be mature how we go on this journey and approaching this together. Okay? We're going to paint a picture here on going on a journey together and trying to understand. The third thing. Taking offense is not okay. Okay? Questions are good. Disagreeing is okay. Offense is not okay. Okay, because offense is a choice. You position yourself with a wall going, no, I'm right. And in your offensive position, you have what's called cognitive dissonance. Where your cognitive, your rational thinking about a certain thing is only your way. And the dissonance means that you can't see anyone else's opinion. Because you're stuck in your prideful territory. Okay, offense is not okay. And we're not going to tolerate that because we're going to go on a journey together in understanding what God wants to say and do to us here. So we have to be mature in how we approach this. I'm happy that we disagree. Some conversations I've had with people is that we, we're not disagreeing. We see it from different perspectives. The conversation actually helps. It brings deep, greater depth and life to such circumstances. Okay, so what I'm saying to you is we're all going on this journey together. We're all going to go on understanding on the, 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 the per prophetic plan and purpose of God. So you need to make an effort to keep up to date with the sermons that are playing out when these happen. They will be marked, session one, session two online, so that you can follow, so that you can keep up to date. If you miss three of these now and you come and arrive there, you're going to have a lot of questions because you've not kept up to date. We have got more than enough technology for no excuses for being up to date. The podcast app, the website... We can WhatsApp the sermons out to you. There's hundreds of ways that you can be kept up to date here. The choice is yours, whether you're going to come on this journey with us. And, and I'm not saying you can't listen to other voices, guys. If you go on YouTube, there are billions and billions of videos on YouTube. 
you can find, yes, that's fine. You can go and look. You can go and research. That's what I've done. I've found through trusted guys that I know through people, and I've, I've listened to stuff, and i have embracing and going on a journey. Yes, by all means. But do you know that if you live on takeout foods for too long, you eventually crave home-cooked meals. So you can live on YouTube, and you can live on that space and get my sermons from podcasts, but if you never eat in this house, you're never going to be satisfied. And this journey that we're going on together is when you feed at this house. You feed at what God is doing through this house together. And I've never said this to you, but it's time that you embrace this. And don't be left behind now on this journey that we're going on and go, oh, I didn't understand, I didn't know. Don't be ignorant about what's taking place in this time and this season. Okay? And we all need a home-cooked meal that is going to be solid food to us to help us move on in the house together. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going on a journey together here. It's not me shouting off at you, hoping that you follow. We have to go together. Okay? And watch what God will do in and through us as He teaches us, as the settling down of all these questions that we might have that we're going to go through. Amen. So here are a whole list of things we're going to cover. I don't know how long this is going to take, but... Understand this, we will do now already, like next week we'll talk into something, on the 23rd of October we've got something different planned, okay, then we've got the 30th of October, we'll speak into this a bit more, the following weekend, no, the 30th of October is the men's camp, I'm not here, Kathleen's here, men, I told you, they're going to talk lady stuff, you'll be embarrassed, but it's okay, you can come if you want to be here, but we'll be in Rocklands, down there in Simonstown, by the way. The following weekend, I'm in Limpopo province with Company of Prophets again, doing serving the churches in that area. So it's not going to be every week. We're going to follow and plot this as we can go. And I'm not going to be preaching end times on Christmas Day, because we're nearly there. It's like, well, you want me to? I can, I can bring it in. I mean, if you, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> then you've got December, and we're running up to, so we've got to go with where we're at, okay? We're not rigid in, we've got to nail the series. I don't know how long we're going to be preaching this stuff for. Okay, so if you look at everything, anti-Semitism, before we go on a journey and we understand what God is saying and doing to us through this, we have to understand what anti-Semitism means and what the church's approach to this is. This is, means it's a, it's, a, it's a dislike, it's a hatred towards Jewish people. And if we don't understand that first as a foundation, your end time story of how the church and the Israel work together is skewed. So we have to lay that foundation first together as a people. We're going to talk into the Antichrist. And not who, but what. How it's going to look. How it's going to play out. The rapture of the church. That word rapture, yes, doesn't appear in the Bible, but we'll explain to you. We're going on a journey and understanding of that. The great tribulation. How this is going to look. What's going to play out? What are the ramifications that will happen in the seven-year period that it speaks about? Linked to prophecies from Daniel hundreds and hundreds of years ago, actually thousands of years ago, Israel restored. What does that mean? What does it mean when Peter says 1948, when the fig tree blossomed and Israel became a nation again? How, what does that mean? Is that significant? We need to understand this stuff. Because if you can be ignorant and not know, or you can be arrogant and think you know everything, and you, 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 you lose out in both ways. And then understanding the millennial reign of Christ here on earth. And how all these things are going to play out. And how we're going to go on this journey and that together. Okay? It's going to enrich you. It's going to encourage you. It's going to empower you. But if we don't have this foundation, what I'm speaking about today, that we go on this journey together, we'll end up in different places. 
and that in however many months' time we've covered this, we'll be a richer people. We'll be a more informed people. We'll look at the world with a different lens. Okay, I see what's playing out there. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Like I said to you last week, what is the revelation about? It's not a plot to fit all the pieces of the puzzle together so you know exactly what's going to be happening. It's the revelation of Jesus. I'm going to read something to you as we finish off here. Kids, you've been amazing. How have I been, guys? Been okay? Been good, eh? Thanks, buddy. Thumbs up there, but good man. Your, your kids are your greatest critics, by the way. Okay, so if it's fine with them, then I don't care what you ex think. So. And sorry, Kathleen apologizes. She's ill today. She is so annoyed with being ill. Because I don't know who gave it to her, who shared it with her. It wasn't me. It wasn't any of us, right? I want to I wanna read this, this, this first little part here. Um, in the pre- preamble, when he writes to the book of Revelation, in, um, in the Passion Translation, and he says this... Um, It says here, Revelation is the unique deposit of the fullness of every truth in the Scriptures wrapped up in the person and the glory of Jesus Christ. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Revelation is a book of consummation. All things are made new as you are given a new name, a nature, a new song, a message, a new Jerusalem, a realm of union with God, a new heaven, government, a new earth, order, expression, and the Bible ends with the passing away of all that is old and the establishment of all that is new. These symbols of deeper realities require ears to hear and hearts to discern. When Jesus unveiled the deep spiritual truths of the heart of God, he spoke in parables using symbols to teach. In fact, when Jesus spoke clearly, his disciples were amazed. Today, he continues to teach us through the language of the heart, through pictures, parables, and allegories. We must allow the Lord to transform our natural ears into spiritual ones. If the truths of this book are to be heard and received in our spirits without a deep and abiding desire to see Christ and not just have a preview of what's coming, We are all in the dark. The key that unlocks the book of Revelation is a passion to know Jesus Christ. To those who have this passion to know Him more will be given. Jesus is the only one worthy to open the seals of this book. And His Spirit is present with us here today to break open those seals and to bring deeper understanding to our hearts. God's glory is found when truth touches the heart and strikes us with light understanding comes with humility and revelation meet as our hearts are touched by truth our minds are filled with light this revelation enabled daniel to interpret dreams paul to teach heavenly truths and john to write the revelation with unveiled faces That's what Peter was aiming for, that passage in Corinthians, right? With unveiled faces, we come to the well of the Word and drink deeply, not merely to seek answers, but to discover Him. May the Lord Himself, who inspired John to write the Revelation, inspire your heart as you read it to love Jesus more. That is the final goal here. It's not understanding when, but how. And not what, but why. And Jesus... Our Savior and Lord and Christ is at the center of all of that. May you fall more in love with Him.
over this journey. Not with understanding, not with puffed up knowledge. Oh, I know when the rapture is going to happen. I can see it understanding. You know what happens there? People get quite arrogant about their knowledge and the understanding of things. That guy in 1988, sorry, pal, it's come and gone. I don't know who he was and whether he humbled himself. But this is the journey we're going on. So that Jesus would be revealed to your heart. As we go on, let's stand together. Amen. And I want to pray over you this morning as we engage our hearts on this journey. Okay? Thank you, parents, for being patient with your kids and all that. But it's important for the kids to understand and listen to this stuff too, as well. Yeah, let's just open our hearts. Father, we want to thank you that everything that has been revealed to us has been through your son Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you that you had to go so that you could send the wonderful counselor. I pray that as we embark on this journey to go with a deeper understanding, I pray the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened. Our spiritual ears would be awakened to hear what you're saying to the church at these times. Father, I pray that as we go on this journey, you will seal these things deep into our hearts. I pray protection over your heart, just as those seeds of the kingdom are planted upon fertile soil where the enemy would come on rocky ground and paths that would get walked upon. I pray a protection over these seeds that are placed into your heart, that they would bear much fruit for the kingdom extend, the kingdom to keep growing and to walking in through our lives and our hearts. So we commit this journey to you, Lord. We thank you that you are for us. Reveal yourself to us. And, we, and hear the cry of your people in this day and this hour saying, Come, Lord Jesus, come. We say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And we cry out, we explain, exclaim that in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare this. Amen and amen. 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 Have an amazing week. Stand firm. Stand strong. Thanks, buddy. Let's turn that.